Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. (laughs) Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am thrilled that you guys are joining us today. We have uh, we have an awesome show lined up for you, um, you know, talking about something that is so important, but most people don't really think about it because they get caught up in the day to day of their business. And uh, so we've got uh, we've got a repeat guest here who I'm very excited that uh, agreed to come back on the show. Um, and I see Mr. Dean Holland riding, galloping over the hills, the rolling hills of Nottingham, UK, riding into the studio on his white noble steed, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome the one, the only bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, Mr. Dean Holland. Woo! <laughs> Just jumped out the saddle into the chair there. Just in time. <laughs> Your hair looks amazing. <laughs> considering, I- uh, you know, what I just saw, what I just witnessed as you coming into the studio. Yes. Well, I fashioned some sort of like space helmet now so that as I'm galloping through the wind, just like aerodynamically flies through flies around are you sure you don't have like lego hair like a lego man where it just like snaps <laughs> into place because it looks a little too fixed <laughs> i can't uh it, i can't reveal all the secrets here today right someday someday we will have an episode where you reveal the secrets of how you are so good looking and your hair stays in place um <laughs> what's all but- these compliments i'm suspicious what's about to happen don't worry wait until about halfway through the show you're gonna find out when i'm so nice to you today um, so we've got, uh, we've got a repeat guest today who I'm very excited that we have back on the show. Um, last time he was here, he was talking about deal making. Um, and I think that a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, uh, really can do better over the long term in their business. If they focus not just on how much cash are we making now, but how are we actually increasing the value of the business that we have? Right. And, and it's easy to get stuck in, you know, well, we, you know, we got to sell this many products and we've got to make this kind of bottom line and we've got to do all these different things. And I'm not saying that's not important because it is, but there's another dimension that's just as important, if not more important over the long term. And that's how do we actually create value uh, inside of the business? And so without further ado, I'll bring him on to the show, Mr. Arya Scheinven, who was on the show before back by popular demand. Welcome to the melee, my friend. How are you today? Thank you. Thank you. I am well. You know, now that you've gone video, it was totally worth coming just to actually see the seed in live form. You know, before yeah. it's like you you have to kind of like picture it, but now that you get to see it behind stage, yeah. it's totally worth it. Anyone well, who hasn't been on video has got to come for video. Thank you for that. And I'm glad you brought that up because it is a privileged sighting uh, for those people that we have on as guests. Uh, obviously, we don't have all the time to show everybody live, uh, you know, the steed that Dean rides in on. But I assure you, he's back there in the green room um, waiting to take Dean back to his English manor once yeah. the show is over. Yes. Yeah. The three hour hike that I must take in the evening every time we do this show is uh, it's never the easiest. But, you know, we get there. That's well, and dedication. I, I, that's just dedication. Well, that's, exa- that's exactly what it is. You know, I don't think all the people who are listening to the show thoroughly appreciate the dedication and the commitment. 
and the saddle soreness that Dean experiences riding in the studio and then back home. Um, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll get to uh, we'll get to talking more about that later on in the show. For now, um, like I said in the in the uh, in the pregame, REA and in the intro, I'm so excited to have you back, man, to talk about value creation. Um, I think it's a topic that a lot of business owners. I don't think they dismiss it, but I don't think they fully comprehend the importance, what it really means. You know, it's not necessarily something that you see more money in the bank tomorrow because you're focusing on value creation, but it really is something that can pay huge, huge dividends in the future. And so before we kind of get into that, can you give us your definition of like, what is, what does it even mean to have value creation increase the value of your business? Yeah, no, that that's a fair point, and I think it's a, an important topic. So, if you think about um, your business, right? Like a lot of people, depending on the size, everybody's thinking and focused on different things, the size of the business. But for the most part, um, when when we think about the value creation, we're thinking about like what a willing buyer would probably pay for this, even if you never intend to sell the business. Mm. But just like, hey, if, I, if I'm gonna buy a stock, if I'm gonna buy a company, if I'm going to buy anything, we typically think about what is it worth and we think about like, what is it gonna be worth in the future? Buy a and, horse, for example. For example. Right, right. right. It right. could be a marketing expense or it could be an increase in value because, <laughs> you know, steeds are rare, you know? They are very rare. Um, but part of like when we focus on the business side, right, we're focusing on um, what what someone's going to pay because of future cash flows or how they're going to operate a business. So when, when we think about that, we're not just drop thinking about like actual money that comes into my bank account, exactly what you said, right? Yep. We're thinking about like, what is the inherent value of the business? And so there's there's both financial aspects of that, but there's also intangible things in the business. You know, if we think about like, you know, the quintessential examples of like Coca-Cola, right? That brand itself has tremendous value. And if they were to like spin off a piece like Sprite or Fresca or something one day, they could get a lot of value, not just based on the numbers that, you know, sales are generated, but like, hey, someone may have ideas to do something differently with Fresca. They may want to make ice pops or something of that nature, right? Like almost like licensing the brand. Mm. You can think about the intangible value of that or in the online space or a lot of entrepreneurs businesses, the customer list, right? Like a huge value because if, if you're going to sell off the business, they may say, oh, well, we can expand it, right? Like if Dean Holland started selling, I don't know, hair gel that, you know, people wouldn't have to worry about riding horses and having yeah. messy hair, right? Then it could be that he he's going to merge it into another business that already has the customer base. So, it's so did you, are you thing. just, are you just bringing that up as an example or do you already know he has a brand called helmet head hair gel? I, you know, listen, I, I heard that maybe there may be something in the works and you know, he's just didn't want to let you in on it yet, but I don't yeah. know. You know, I'm a bit disappointed in you guys. This was not supposed to be announced for another three weeks. Right. right. Uh, I apologize. We're pre-selling. I, I well, you know why, you know why I added where we added you Dean? Because, uh, because you didn't share with us behind the scenes and we, we were hurt by that. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? He deserves to be added for not telling me this ahead of time. So anyway, anyway, three weeks from now, helmet head hair gel coming to a store near you. Um, so, so REA, um, in terms of value creation, right? You're talking about the financial aspects. You're talking about the intangible aspects of things. What, um, what are, what are actual, like, if I'm putting myself in in a lot of the people that I talk to shoes, 
they don't necessarily have a definitive plan of selling their business. Mm -hmm. And so this conversation, like I want to, I want to be really clear why people should stay tuned into this, even if they don't plan on selling the business, like what is the rationale and the logic behind increasing the value of the business? If you don't intend to sell, you don't feel like it, it's not something you know about, like why still even bother with this topic? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So there's ways to monetize a business without actually exiting it. I think it's one of these things that like everybody always assumes you have to have an exit, especially like in today's environment where, you know, you have e-commerce brands and, and Amazon businesses that are, they're getting sold for real multiples totally. on, on, on earnings. But everyone's always like, well, maybe I don't want to sell my business. So what do I care? Right. To your point. Well, you know, if you think about the, the the thing I always equate for people, like the easiest thing for people to really understand is I always kind of come back to your home. So when, when you think about your home purchase, right, you have the, the aggregate purchase price, what you paid for the house, and then you probably borrowed some amount for your mortgage. And, and the difference between the two is what we call the equity, right? Yeah. So it's it, you may have written the check at the time, but as the home value increases, right, your, your equity piece increases because the debt is staying right. the same or actually declining as you kind of pay it down, right? So the equity value is, is going up. So there's the simplest way to think about it is like, let's say you wanted to tap in to that money, your equity value, and you didn't want to sell your house, mm -hmm. but you wanted some of that cash, right? right. Well, we know in, in the mortgage market in the United States, what do you do? You refinance and you potentially can either ask for a bigger loan because the value of the house has gone up or you can just say, hey, like I've paid down this much mortgage. Let me re, you know, re-up that mortgage and kind of take that money. So either way, you're taking money out of the house. And we we call it, you know, you know, we're taking some of the equity money out and we're putting it in our bank account. Right. The same thing works for a business. You know, if you think about these big companies, these private equity firms, a lot of times they they buy the business and they ultimately sell it. But along the way, they do things that we call like dividend recaps. All it is, is what they're doing is they're leveraging the business more. They're putting more debt on the books and they're actually taking that money out in the form of a dividend to them, you know, to them, to their investors as a single, you know, owner business, you can do the same thing. There are ways to creatively take money out of the business and put it in your pocket because it's worth more. Just like mm -hmm. the house was appreciating. Mm -hmm. If you make that business more valuable, even if you don't sell it, there's ways to kind of extract value from your business and, and, you know, dividend recapping or getting a loan and taking out a dividend. It's just one form. There's many different forms, but yeah. that's one reason to just increase the value of the business. Awesome. And I'm, and I'm so glad you touched on that because I, like now what I want to get into is like, well, how do you increase the value? What are the, what are some of the levers that you can pull on the financial side, on the intangible side? And then let's get into, okay, cool. I don't want to sell the thing but I do want to pull out some of that value. I do want to cash, you know, cash in some of my chips, so to speak. How do we do that? Yeah. Um, Dean, you, uh, are you dialed in with that agenda? You feel like that's, that's good. I feel, yeah. I feel that's along the lines of the standard that I would set. If it were me that were saying what you just said. Right. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> well, and I'd also like to note that the business that I'd like to use a hypothetical is, um, the, the hel helmet head hair gel. Um, right. so, so we've just started, or we were soon to be started helmet head hair gel by Dean Holland, um, at helmet head hair. with these type of analogies though. Cause what you don't see is the excited Dean that leaves the podcast and starts looking for trademarks. <laughs> <laughs> we, we both know you have that trademark for like some time now. Um, all right. He's probably, so he's probably also got like, you know, 55 domains in his name, account no or question. GoDaddy or whatever he's got, you yeah. know, helmet head, not biz. 
<laughs> helmethead.dean, like all these, <laughs> all these different domains. So, all right. So, so we got this hypothetical business here. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about how we actually increase the value, right? We're so, so in this case, in our fictitious business, or maybe it's not fictitious, I guess soon we'll know. Soon we'll find out, right? Right. Um, we've got a, we've got a product, a physical product. We're probably going to sell it, uh, you know, through online channels, maybe through our own e-commerce sales funnels, Amazon or whatever. Like what are some of the ways that we can increase the value of this business? Yeah, no, totally. So obviously the thing that you always hear about, right, is everybody's like, hey, let's increase sales. So let's drive more sales. Always yeah. sales, sales, sales. But the reality is, right, like, you know, most people who are are very, let's call it accounting driven, get these points right away. But like, and, and James, I know you yourself kind of have talked about some of these things in the past, but the reality is, is like, if you drive sales, you know, so let's use an example, $100 of sales comes in. Now, Dean, between his manufacturing costs, his marketing costs, his delivery costs, everything, it costs $75 to service that $100 of revenue, right? Yeah. So he sells the hair bomb for, for $100, but realistically, only $25 drops to the bottom line. And what is the natural thought? Okay, let's, how are we going to improve the dollar amount? How much money are we going to actually make? So we're making $25, 25% net margins. But if Dean now goes and says, okay, I'm going to increase the price to $110, but I, it's still only going to cost me the 75, we have $35 dropping to the bottom line. So the net margins are somewhere below 35%, you know, mm -hmm. somewhere in that, that 30 to 34% ish range, right? But if Dean had instead not gone and charged the customer more, but rather he said, okay, I'm going to still charge $100. I'm going to squeeze out $10 in my costs. I'm going to either find a way to be more efficient in my ad spend. I'm going to have the marketing agency tweak those ads a little bit better. I'm going to go to my um, manufacturer and say, hey, I need you to take a dollar off the production because I'm doing so well and we're selling millions of tubes of, of hair gel every month, whatever it is, or say, oh, you know, the packaging, instead of putting it in this hard box, I'm going to make it into like a, a slightly cheaper box or whatever it is. And we shave a dollar here, a dollar there. And we get to the point where our hard cost becomes $65. Mm -hmm. The same $35 falls to your bank account to the bottom line, mm -hmm. but your margins now are 35%. Mm. So you didn't raise the price on the people. You're mm -hmm. making more, but when you go and you sell a business or you go and you look to refinance or you do something, they're going to look at both the dollar amount and the percentage margin, right? Specifically, if a buyer is there, he wants to know what the margins of that business are. And he's going to say, okay, I'll pay you based on those margins. So if you drive top line, you didn't improve the margins as good as you could have had you just squeezed your, your expense out of the equation. Right, right. And, and, and there's nothing to say you can't do both. Right, like you can't Correct. pull both levers. One hundred percent. But I think I think you're absolutely right. Like most most people that I know are not looking at the cost side of the equation first, even though right. generally speaking, the cost side of the equation is probably easier to manipulate. Totally. Right? It's like right. yeah, we maybe we could shave a dollar here, a dollar there, or something. Well, I know me and you have spoke on this subject quite a lot in the past, haven't we, James? Because uh, yeah. <laughs> you've mentioned this a lot of times in the past about the importance of saving that dollar rather than trying to make the extra. Well, not instead of, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. just not, I think it's like not thinking there's only one way. Yeah, for sure. To grow. Be because um, I, I think we just live in a world where so many things, especially in the online space, is about sales, 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 sales. 
and yeah. and oh increasing the price or hey sell your value not just you know the the fixed price and so i think the mentality just needs to change a little bit yeah um so one of the other things is uh what about the you know what factor does frequency of purchase recurring revenue lifetime value of those customers like all that like how does that bear on the valuation of a business totally has, has tremendous value, right? Like it, it has, has a major impact in the sense that like, if we're just selling hammers, right? How often does one buy a hammer every three years? You know, if you're super clumsy and you break them, depends like every- on, Depends on how strong your hair gel is. <laughs> <laughs> I've never bought a hammer. <laughs> it's just ram. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry. Carry on. Well, the point is, right, it's it's a one-off purchase. And for Dean, it may be a never-off purchase. Right, but, right. But for the average person, it's not a frequent purchase. Whereas like the supplement business or anything that's consumable, where people are coming back and buying it every month or every quarter or even twice a year, it that there's tremendous value in the stickiness of that business in the sense of like someone's going to pay you typically a higher multiple or value that in a more favorable light because they know that there's continuity there, right? So like when you think about, you know, I don't know if I wanted to send someone flowers, for example, right? Like, should that should that be a recurring business? Then, then there's interest in like knowing that, hey, I'm on some sort of subscription versus like, hey, I buy twice a year, Valentine's Day and Mother's Day or whatever yeah. it is, right? Um, so, so monthly recurring revenue or annual recurring revenue is definitely a, a driver for valuations. And, and that's why, like you see the SaaS businesses, right? Like everyone's always chasing like, Hey, how can I take a technology, spend it once and then get a, a monthly recurring revenue off of it. And those valuations have gone up tremendously. I mean, yeah. even if you look at, if, if you think about, um, Peloton. I mm -hmm. like to use that as, as a really good example mm -hmm. of where when people look at them, they're like, oh, they're selling these $2,000 bikes and these $4,000 treadmills. But yeah, they're not, right? No, like they're selling, they're selling a subscription. subscription. Totally. Correct. And and all of these businesses that are selling the subscription that they can squeeze out and, you know, they, the, the cost of the content is once and then they're recurring. And and that's really like, you know, Net, Netflix and you know, Costco another perfect example, mm -hmm. right? Costco doesn't, they make like whatever, 12, 13% margins on their products. And that just keeps the lights on and pays for employees mm -hmm. where they make the money is when they charge everybody 55 bucks a year. Right. And they have a few hundred, you know, I think like a hundred million people, same with, with Amazon, Amazon, you know, Oh, they, they kind of changed it from like 100 to 119. Well, you know how many billions of dollars they just dropped of cash to the bottom line. Totally. So all these things are like, you know, if you look at the businesses, right, like Apple, people like kind of confuse for a technology company, but look where a lot of their money is coming from now. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Music, storage, all these different things. So there's definitely tremendous value in recurring revenue. There's no question about it. So I think, so if you're, you know, kind of following along to have a little checklist here of ideas to go back and brainstorm uh, on how to increase the valuation of the business, you've got First, uh, first, how can you improve the profitability, right? First, seek to uh, strip out some costs that aren't going to make a material difference to your sales, right? Because you could take so much cost out that people would be like, this thing sucks. <laughs> sucks, exactly. Right? Yeah. Right. Now, now helmet head hair gel is like glue and it doesn't, <laughs> it, it never comes out of people's hair and they're like pretty pissed about it. And never um, buying it again. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they're not buying it again. Um, cool? So, so, right. So, so improving the bottom line reducing costs, also seeking how you can increase uh, top line, but then uh, how can you increase the frequency 
with which people are purchasing and the regularity and the consistency mm. of that. Um, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's more, but I, I'm also interested to explore with you the intangible side, right? Cause those are yeah. more uh, financial metrics that you can see. And I think those are more obvious to people. Um, hopefully like, even if you're not thinking about how do I increase the valuation of the business, you're probably like, well, how could I make my profit bigger? How could I get more money for more frequently? Right. So, um, but what about the intangible stuff? Like, you know, carrying this, uh, this little mock case study we're doing here. Um, how, what are the intangibles in helmet head hair gel? So I, I think helmet hair hair gel has, yet it is a really, mouthful. I think yes. we, we might need to take, have a few triple focus H groups. or something like, yeah. Um, triple H hair gel. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think there's a few things, right? So the brand is not yet super well known, right? No. Give, it, give it some time. Give <laughs> oh, it some, man. We just announced it today. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> he's, already he's, got, he's really got his ego tied up in this hair gel. I mean, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> it went straight to his head. It did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. You see the drum set, you know? You know, that's right. Yeah. All right. So, Dean, just take a deep breath. All right, is, all right. We're only talking here. This is no judgment <laughs> on you or your brand. Well, it might be talking to you. This is life for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So it's not. So the brand is not well known yet. Correct. Operative yes. work. Correct. Um, but but we do have we have the ability to say okay, how many customers do we have, and what is that average purchase price? And so again, because it's a new business, we don't necessarily know the lifetime value of that customer. Yeah. But those two things are big metrics, right? Like when we can increase the lifetime value of the customer, which naturally can be increased by just increasing the purchase price, like the average cart value or whatever it is. So if we're combining all the things we're talking about, right? So we've improved margins, but now we're getting frequency of purchase up, right? So Dean puts people on to a subscription model. So every three months they get it delivered. But the other way to increase the the, that average order size, right, is to say, oh, well, you know, we have this ancillary product that's very complimentary, or we have this other item that is like a brush or whatever it is, because it's a special brush we're going to need to get through this, you know, special hair, uh, hair gel. Absolutely. But the customer list itself, if we can show the frequency of purchasing, someone may want that customer list just in general, right? Because there's complimentary products that the other company who really focuses on the beards, because I'm clearly the only guy on this show without a beard, right? So the beard bomb. Even the steed has a beard. <laughs> so so James's beard bomb company may be very complimentary to Dean's hair gel company, right? right. And so there may be good customer overlap. And so if James is in the market to expand his business and says, Hey Dean, I'm, I'm looking to acquire your business. He's going to want to understand like, okay, what are the frequency of these purchases? What are those average? And as well as how many people do you have? Like, are we talking about, you know, 10 customers? Or are we talking about 10 million customers or somewhere mm -hmm. in between? Um, because I think, you know, you're going to also have Dean's going to eventually have customers who, you know, don't continue to purchase like any normal business. And those customers, though, if you can keep them reasonably engaged, if Dean does his magic and he writes great copy and he sends out emails, they may not be purchasing, but they're still somewhat active. Right. There's value to those people, right? Because, and even if Dean doesn't like, able, if he's not able to close them on, on that next product, but 
they're interested in the beer bomb or they're interested in something in that space, there could be synergies as well that, you know, Dean finds a way to monetize it without actually being acquired by James's beard company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? Um, you know, so you touch on the customer list sort of touched on brand. What are like, what are some of the major categories that you'd see as the big intangibles that people should be thinking about besides those two things? Good question. Yeah, I'm, 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 I mean, you, I think, I th- I think those two are are far and away the biggest, but I think it also like if if you're able to if we look at some of the brands that have been acquired over the last like five ten years, and you look at how almost like niche they were right like a lot of people have used the the example of um, you know RX bars, right? So RX bars got acquired by Kellogg for about six hundred million dollars, probably in year three to six of the business. Mm-hmm. The brand had already hit you know shelves of some of the major grocery stores. But the reality is, is why did Kellogg's buy it? It's because Kellogg's is a big behemoth of a company and they can't, they're not nimble. They can't come up with like new products that are vertical, you know, niche verticals that are very focused, you know, even like native deodorant, all these, these Mm -hmm. things that really speak to that person. So Dean went and he found purest of pure ingredients. He found all organic. He found the health conscious person who doesn't want junk in their hair that vertical now, even though there's like, that's an intangible, there's no way to like say, Hey, it's worth X, Y, and Z. It's very difficult to put the value on that. But because Dean knows his avatar, Dean speaks to his person. That is a huge intangible that, you know, a major company may just say Unilever may just say, you know what, we can't speak to that person. We don't, you know, and like, and there's tons of these acquisition examples out there where Mm -hmm. people just like, were buying that customer base. Not because the product may have been amazing, but the reality is, is they're speaking to that one little vertical and now they can potentially market a ton of other stuff to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think that makes a ton of sense. So, um, I got, uh, I have a a few other questions that I want to ask Dean, anything, uh, anything that pops into your mind or, uh, sounds like just what we're, what we're touching on, I guess, with a, a couple of those last points is the value in the data within the business, right? So you're talking about people having access to audiences they otherwise couldn't. I think that's what I've seen with a lot of technology companies that seem to have sold for like crazy multiples and they don't even yet seem to have a, a subscription service. It's like you, you're just data. There's uh seems to be some huge value in that. Yeah. I mean, like, look at, look at the, the hottest app right now, right? Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Right. So that thing got valued over a billion dollars for the last round. And Dreesen Horowitz, not a slouchy shop. I mean, they were the first investor, but even when they first put that that first twelve million dollars in, the valuation was like a hundred million dollars, and they, and like they barely had like you know tens of thousands of people on this app. Right. And and now, granted, they have you know they're north of a million. They're probably approaching two or three million. And you know, I I've been on the app. I really like the app. But the reality is, is like it's it's over a billion dollar valuation, and they haven't produced a dime of revenue. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's kind of like, hey, they have the audience. They have users. They have viewers. And the biggest thing they have besides all that is like how look at the screen time, the usage, like how long people spend on that app is like crazy. So someone's paying for all these intangibles and not because of any financial number that they're pegging it to just yet. Right. Right. It's Mm -hmm. the it's the possibility of what that might look like. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So uh, so so we've, you know, kind of talked about different ways financially and intangibly to increase the value. You said something interesting when I asked the question earlier for somebody who's not wanting to just sell outright, like why should they care? And you talked about how there's different ways of 
claiming some of that value mm-hmm. that you create without necessarily having to exit. What are uh, what are some of the things that people have as options available to them that they might not be aware of or thinking about or taking seriously that they should really be looking into? Yeah, no, for sure. So I I think one of the things is, you know, a lot of a lot of let's call it solopreneurs or small business owners, because they come a lot of people come out of corporate, but a lot of people don't. They just yeah. kind of like, whether it's high school, college, whatever it is, they're like, I'm going to work for myself. Like, I'm going to do whatever it takes because I just don't want to have a job and report to somebody. That's the reality. And they, they get into this business, whatever it is, and they start making money. And a lot of people, you know, like <clears throat> every human has whatever they were, you know, kind of brought up with or they watched when they were younger, like it's deeply rooted. So if you think about the average person, the average person like is debt avoidance at all costs yeah. because you're taught like, Ooh, don't get into debt. Right. right. But there's a huge difference between business debt and consumer debt. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that, that a lot of new business owners don't really think about is business financing, business debt. They, they naturally associate with, Oh, con- consumer credit card debt or whatever it is. Uh, you know, I want to pay off my mortgage as fast as possible. I don't want to have any debt. And like, it's a nice concept, but the reality is, is like, especially inventory based businesses, the best leverage you could do is leverage your, your inventory through financing it. Mm-hmm. Because like, if you're making 20 to 25% margins on your physical product, you I mean, forget the, the information products where you're at 60 to 90%, but just on the physical products, you can get a regular bank to finance that at whatever five or 6%. If you're mm-hmm. making 20 to 22, why tie up all your money constantly into new products? Like if you have, let's say you have five products, right? And the first four are already humming. The bank is going to lend you, you know, on almost like on a receivable kind of basis, like, Hey, okay, go buy this inventory and and turn into cash. And then you can focus all your development on that fifth product or your marketing on that fifth product, instead of spending all the money that's coming off of that, worrying about how you're going to get it back into the business. So, so debt financing in general, Mm. while a lot of people shy away from it, or they, they don't even know it exists. You know, I think there's both there's both traditional banking, but you know, if you look in the online space, there are so many business lenders out there for the e-commerce or online business space. And people just naturally assume, like, hey, stay away. Lending is bad, debt is bad. Yeah, so true. there's tons of ways to use financing in in creative ways or just traditional ways. Um, that would be number one. Nice. Yeah. Dean, I feel like you uh you have some thoughts on that one. Um, not particularly, I would, uh, I, I was just in agreement there. Cause I, I can definitely say like, I was raised, you know, like my parents never had a credit card, you know, and I, I was always sort of bought, like told that, you know, you don't, you don't buy something, you don't get anything you can't afford. If you can't afford it, you don't have it. It's as simple as that. I was, I was raised that way. And I think I've had to work on that area. So it's interesting you bring that up. Cause I do think that's probably a huge problem that people face. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a natural thing. And I'm not telling you to go take your credit card and buy stupid things with it. But if you're going to gel. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, artificial jellyfish tank. Right. Um, God, got it. So, um, you know, so I think like there's ways to to do it. And and like, even if you're just starting out, there's ways to leverage like zero APR credit cards to right. kind of fund, fund your business. And now I, I don't know that that really works at scale. Um, and you need to make sure you're kind of paying that off. But if you have a, a business that's humming, you can definitely do that. There's ways to sell um, parts of your business. Like if you don't want to sell the whole thing, but you want some liquidity, there's ways to, you know, family plan in the sense that like you can kind of gift over to, 
your family parts of it. And, you know, there's lots of tax strategies that, and, and I am by no stretch of the imagination, the, the tax expert, but there's ways to do it. And there's even ways, like if your business gets big enough and you want to stay private, there's totally ways to, to sell, you know, parts of the business to employees and mm -hmm. have like employee, you know, option plans or, or stock for employees that increases in value. You know, like if you think about all of the, the standard, you know, what I would call like the big four accounting firms that like, you know, a lot of small businesses don't use, but like PricewaterhouseCoopers and Deloitte and KPMG and Ernst and Young, they're partnerships. Well, yeah. those partners though, every year get different amounts of shares and every year the firm gets revalued and they determine what that the firm is worth and and you're paid and and you can have shares given or taken or purchase more based on different things. So it's the same thing in a small business. You can do the exact same thing. It's just it kind of hasn't like really trickled down like the knowledge base just isn't there. And and sometimes it's not cost effective to do it, but there's mm -hmm. there, there's definitely options and opportunities out there. And I feel like the knowledge is sort of trickling down, but it does feel more like a trickle. Yeah, right? I, it's I, like I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um you said something interesting about selling part of your business. Like in your mind is that, okay, you know, we've got three products and we want to divest one of those products or, you know, are there other ways of carving things up that you have in mind? Yeah. I, I, you could do lots of different things. I actually just finished a, it was a five part transaction for a food services business that like I advise them through this whole thing. And, and they're not like a $500 million company. They're about a, you know, I'd say like 10 to 20 million in a non COVID year. They're more like a 20 ish million dollar right. business. And we basically, we acquired a, a, a competitor in this market who was a little bit tight on cash, but had great salespeople and great, you know, customer base. We acquired the core business out from one of the investors. We mm -hmm. used, a, a combination of debt financing. So the company took a short-term loan to kind of get through some of the working capital needs that they had. And they also simultaneously, to your point, they didn't divest something, but rather they sold a 15% stake mm. in the business to someone who, I don't know if these guys really want to be in the business, but they want to be able to say they're in the business. Like some people just like, like owner owning things just to say that they own them. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I mean, it's true. I mean, you know, you get to a certain point and like people just do that kind of thing. And then there's a financial gain. So you can yeah. find buyers for different things. So they were able to sell a 15% stake in the business as well. And they have no control over the business. They're, they're going to operate the way they will, but they're going to give them 15% of the profits every, every year on distribution. Yeah. For them, that was huge. You know, it was worth it because in this five part transaction, they needed a backstop of cash and this equity purchase, like basically is going to sit in the bank account as, as a backstop for all the investors. So, you know, there's lots of different things you could do, you know, like James, if you're like, Hey, I, I want to sell a part of my business off. There's probably people who will do it. A lot of people want to own the whole thing, but there's, there are definitely people who just want to know that they're going to get some sort of distribution uh, as a financial return, right? Like if I, if I look at where else I could put my money and I say, Hey, like my business is going great, but it's throwing off all this cash. Where can I put it? Well, I could put it in stocks. I could mm -hmm. put it in crypto. I could put it in totally. real estate. But also, I know James is crushing in his business. I'd like a financial gain. And I can think about what I'll put in. Let's say I put a dollar in. And every year, James is going to give me 18 cents mm -hmm. of distributions. An 18% return annually is pretty attractive. And I'm going to own some portion of James's business if he ever does sell it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. Yeah. That's awesome. We got a comment here by from Yada. Hashtag chubby margins. One of my uh, one of my favorite things to say. 
<laughs> have those chubby margins. Um, this, uh, yeah, this is this is super interesting, man, because I um I feel like in the entrepreneur online world, this is a conversation that doesn't get talked about as mm. often as it could or even should. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so many different options. It's not just you know buy something, sell something, create something, sell something. There's like this whole palette of different options available to you. And, and I think, you know, one of the reasons I was so excited to have you back on the show and the last time we talked a little bit more about the deal-making side of things. And, and this time I just, I just kind of want to bring a higher level of awareness Mm. to people that you don't have to be, you know, a hundred million dollar company. You don't have to be a billion dollar corporation in order to take advantage of a a growing, uh, I would say, a growing transparency in the marketplace and a growing appetite to do these small to mid-sized deals that could be really attractive for both parties. Yeah, m- most definitely. I mean, you're seeing it more and more and more where um, we we see it like in, in my day job, right? We see the $5 billion deals. Those guys who only used to play up here, they're coming what we call downstream, right? They're yeah. looking for that $1 billion. And the guys who used to play in the $1 billion, now they're getting crowded out. They're looking at that 500 or that 250 And you're seeing like there are these roll-up strategies now. Like people have, there's so much money out there that wants to invest in different things. So the Amazon business space is one of these that there's there's probably four or five big players already that are just out there attracting cap you know they've they've raised a lot of capital and they're just going out and buying businesses yeah. you know there's there's this company thrasio which is probably the biggest in the amazon acquisition space right now and they've already raised hundreds of millions of dollars with valuations over a billion dollars because they've just accumulated brands and most of those are they're ex- these people are exiting the businesses but there are other roll-ups that are like hey we, we're not looking to acquire your business We're just looking to own a piece and maybe advise you and give you our access to our network. I mean, like Ty Lopez has been acquiring full on brands that, that have struggled, but there are other players that I know of who are literally just looking to deploy even like $200,000 into people's Mm. businesses, own a piece, and then hopefully, you know, see it on, on the backside of, of an exit or a distribution or whatever it is. So it's, it's definitely, something that needs more and more awareness. And, you know, it, it's definitely viable. Like if people are looking to do that, it, there's a lot of money out there that's looking to just kind of have access to this stuff. Money seeks value. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got one, uh, one last question. Um, and then, uh, and then I want to wrap up this segment. Um, uh, so somebody asked with you having spent so much of your time in that pond with the bigger fish, right? Like the $5 billion deals and all this other stuff. You know, as you see that, what are some of the mistakes that you see the smaller, you know, entrepreneurial ventures, the smaller business owners like making over and over that you're just like, oh my God, if they just stop doing this. Yeah. Um, So some of it is transactional in the sense like, I'll try and get through it in succinct fashion. The first thing is, is like, I have advised this year um, in, in 2020, at least three people probably more, but at least three that I can think of off the top of my head who came to me and they're like, Hey, we, we did this agreement, but we never really papered it. Right. Uh, like we yeah. didn't put any documentation around it. And now they're telling me that they want this, or I owe them that, or they want a cut of this and that. And I'm like, okay, where's the agreement? And they're like, yeah, there is not. 
<laughs> I'm like, you're good to go because right. uh, good, yeah. good luck. Like no lawyer is going to take that a contingent based on a bunch of emails because it's going to get thrown out. So like the number one mistake I see over and over and over again is like, hey, you know, we had a great conversation. Let's kind of get into business together. Oh, it sounds good. We'll figure it all out on the fly. And then lo and behold, there's going to be a problem, right? Like nine out of 10 times there's a problem. Yeah. And and that's what the documentation is for. It's for, for the times that there are a problem. So that's mistake number one. But mistake number two, like in these transactions, I think is people are very short-sighted. Mm. And that is especially on the online, you know, entrepreneurial space where people are just not thinking about the long term. They're like, hey, fast cash. Okay, I can sell it here. And they didn't like really take a pulse of like, well, what happens if I stick with this another year? Like, and I see this in the Amazon space a ton. Like people are like, hey, I'm at a million dollar run rate. I'm throwing off 25% margins. I can get like a million dollars cash in the bank. Let me do it. Mm. But if you stayed in the business for another year. Yeah you probably could have made many multiples of that. Right. Because you would have refined your process. So I, I think one of the mistakes that that people make is they're in a rush to get this payday and they're not really focused on like, hey, does this make me happy? Is this what I really want to do? Like, why did you get into this business to begin with? Because if yep. you think about that, then you may not be exiting as fast. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think that's uh, a, great, a great perspective. Get in writing. Don't be short-sighted. Yeah, I've um, written in the past without documentation and things go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know, but at least you have the option. Cause like I've had things in writing before and things went South and I'm just like, you know what? It's not worth pursuing. <laughs> Correct. You know, and which is fine, but at least you have the option to do that yeah. or, or the ability to at least threaten. Right. You're going to do it. Yeah. You know? If you're, if you're inclined um, to, you know, but everybody, uh, I think the the idea is, Create as many options for yourself as possible. Um, so REA, uh, just winding things down. Um, I know you got some some new things going on since the last time we talked. People can actually uh, learn from you on a more formal <laughs> basis. I think it's something that everybody who knows you has been pushing you to do for, uh, I think, <laughs> yes. at least the last 115 years. <laughs> Probably um, somewhere around there. <laughs> somewhere around that neighborhood. So how can how can people get in touch with you and uh, potentially uh, you know work with you and having you advise and or teach them on how to create better deals and uh yeah. you know have this level of flexibility in their thinking no i appreciate it um yeah so the the number one place probably just to even like get an application or the, the two number the number one number two places are solutionadvisory.com mm. um or apply to the den.com those are the okay. two uh, probably easiest places. And then you can, um, my podcast is Inside the Lion's Den, hence nice. the Apply to the Den. Right. And uh, the and then Instagram is probably the platform that like I'm most communicative in. And that's uh, R-E-A, the businessman. All right. And that's A-R-Y-E-H, the businessman. Correct. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, well thanks, man. Dean, any parting shots before uh, before we go to commercial break and then come back and wrap it up with the news? No, just great catching up. I think uh, I think it's definitely one of those conversations that, like you say, just a lot of people, or at least in sort of the space I work in, like people aren't approaching their businesses in this way. It's not even really a thought. So I think I think hopefully, at very least, we've given people something to think about and something to consider. Because I know, uh, you know, I've certainly seen that even people that say in digital product businesses where they're the expert, a lot of people don't think they have something that that carries value to be able to sell on or to, to do anything more with. They just view it as a pure uh, cash business. And I know there are businesses that way, but I think 
with some creativity, there's a lot of value that can be mined in any business. So I, uh, yeah, I think it's been a great conversation. Appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks again for being here, man. My, always, uh, my pleasure. always great to talk. Same here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, everybody, we're going to go to a quick uh, commercial break and then we're going to be right back and we're going to have the news with Dean. All right, you guys, we're interrupting this incredible episode to bring you a very important announcement. And that announcement is the new Just a Tips members area. What? what? <laughs> We've created a members area that has trainings right out of the gate from Dean and I on our best strategies to help you grow your business. And many of our guests that we've had on the show have offered to put some of their best stuff inside the members area to help you guys have access to all sorts of content that'll help you grow your marketing, grow your sales, make sure you're staying on top of your business and you can work on your business, not in your business, get more results in less time. I can't even, like the reason you don't even hear Dean right now is he's galloping around the studio on his horse from sheer excitement. Dean, can you please stop galloping for one second and tell our good natured listeners what's going on? Roll that horse. So, uh, so if I can slow this thing down, there's only one place you got to go to get all this good stuff. And that is jttshow.com. That's jttshow.com. It's all free. And I think you're going to love it. We will see you guys on the inside of the new Justin Tibbs members area, jttshow.com. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. All right, Mr. Holland, it is time for the news. What do you got for us today, dude? Well, so uh, this week, uh, the, the the subject for this week actually came from some little disasters that I was having. So uh, you'll know, James, I spend you know a good amount of money on advertising, uh, particularly on Facebook. Yes. Uh, so I uh, I actually went through that dreaded thing of having my ad accounts uh, closed down. Um, obviously pure, pure mistake this time. I like to think I do things above board and don't break policies. And so it wasn't because of your inappropriate burlesque pictures like last time, not this time, not this time. Ever right. since I pixelated things, I seem to have flown <laughs> <the> radar there. <laughs> oh God. I'm sorry. I asked now I want to scratch my eyes out. <laughs> um, so basically I went through like a two week period of disasters, just like ad account being closed time and time again, every few days. And uh, in talking uh, to a few people, a common conversation kept coming up. And I don't know if you've seen about this, James, but there has been a huge amount of uh, sort of talk and news around the subject of kind of Apple versus Facebook yeah. uh, on the subject of uh, tracking and data and the way in which data is used by these companies. I think basically the uh, the simple version of this for anybody listening that that maybe hasn't uh, necessarily been in that world to to see this is that Apple has basically taken a stand that uh, anybody that uses an iPhone, an Apple device, if you want to basically install an app such as Facebook, you will have the option now or, or after a certain date, you will have the option. Do you want to allow tracking on this app? Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, I think from a consumer perspective, a user perspective, right? It's kind of surprising that that's not always been there, isn't it? I suppose in a way it's like, do you want to allow these companies to take your data to be able to track what you're doing when you use them? Totally. Um, as an advertiser, from an advertiser's perspective, uh, probably not so cool, you know, I think. And, and so this is, this is kind of the new slash little bit of advice that I wanted to give around this news and, and to talk about this because 
just like you, James, you know, we are two people that have, I guess, the, the good fortune of being in business for quite a long time now. We have experienced a lot of different things. And I think there is a lot of people right now that are online advertisers, predominantly, especially if they're using Facebook or other platforms that are really freaking out now that is this the end of advertising? Is this the demise of Facebook that people have maybe been holding out for? Is this where one of the giants falls because no longer they're allowed to take all of our consumer data or take the data of, of users? And I think, I think it, one breath, I want to say that I feel there is, it is warranted if you are an advertiser and you're a de direct response uh, marketer, you would be warranted to pay attention to this. There are going to be a, a lot of, you know, certain implications, aren't there, around this type of thing. You are going to uh, notice that things do begin to shift, you know, by nature of it. Let's just keep things simple. If your ad account no longer has the access to be able to pull back certain data from users that are clicking your ads and doing certain actions on your website, it is naturally going to impact you. But I think the reason I wanted to, to pull this forwards, even though this has kind of been going on a few weeks now, and the reason I wanted to talk about this is that I think what everyone just needs to primarily do here is just relax a bit. And just to understand that this is not going to be the end of advertising, for one. I mean, that would be crazy. Number two, it is not going to be the end of Facebook, right? I mean, yeah. That that's crazy in and of itself. But what this is going to be, and this is where I want to encourage everybody to get their head into, is that this is going to be no way around it. I believe this is going to be a major shift that forces us as advertisers, as online business owners to adapt. Mm -hmm. and, and this is this is the big thing I wanted to, like, say, highlight this around this is this isn't the first time that business owners will adapt. It's not the first time it's happened. And it's sure as heck's not going to be the last. And, and I think, especially if you've maybe only been, been in business a few years, you probably are freaking out, right? It is like, oh, the world in which I knew everything I've depended on for my income, for my business success is about to be taken away by a third party. And you can kind of feel out of control. Um, but above all, I think the biggest thing is, is to just understand that once you adapt through this, this is going to be a shift. We will all experience it. And I think that's, that's to me, is one of the biggest things that I... I draw on here is that understand that we're all going to go through the shift. You know, it's not you're going to lose out whilst your competitors thrive. It's not you're being targeted to be suffering through these changes and shifts. Every single person is going to have the same experience here to the point of everybody will have to adapt. We will all have to find the new way of doing it, the different way of adapting, the way in which we look at our metrics, the way in which we look at our numbers, the type of numbers we're even looking at. Mm -hmm. I feel that there are going to be implications that we can't panic over. We just have to find a way to adapt. So I don't know. Uh, obviously, I've done a, a bit of talking without coming up for air there. I don't know. Is this a subject that obviously has crossed your, your desk, James? Have you had feelings of concern or how do you feel around it? I'm sorry. What, what did you say? Can you just repeat all that? <laughs> I said, how would you like to buy some hair gel? I would love to count me in. In fact, I'd like to be a small minority investor in helmet head hair gel. Um, no, I think, I think you're absolutely right to bring this up. I think the points that you've made are super valid too. Um, you know, for me, for me, there's like a couple pieces to this one. I completely agree. It's, it's not the end of advertising. Um, you know, there's, that's, that's sort of ridiculous. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of times, these things get sensationalized for uh, for these big agendas as well. 
um, you know, Facebook's out there and, you know, they're like, oh my God, like, you know, it, it's almost like Facebook is creating the hysteria to a certain extent so that people are like, oh, like Apple's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. When I think you've rightly pointed out, Apple's probably giving some consumer protection that people have long wanted, um, if not needed, and making uh, making things a little bit more transparent. I think in the long term, um, transparency is a very good thing. And I think choice and option are good things in a in a market. There's going to be uh, there's bound to be some disruption, but but then you know we go back to some of the things that we've been talking about time and time again on this show is diversify your uh, your customer acquisition channels. Yes. Right, you should not be reliant on one customer acquisition channel uh, because then if there if there's a major problem with that, you're you're going to get hit harder. Than you'd otherwise need to. Um, you know, the second thing is, in my mind, the goal of advertising on social media, you know, whether it be you know Facebook or YouTube or even Google, you know, search or anything, is to capture that person's contact information and bring it onto your own platform. Um, it is it is unreasonable to think that just because a platform is available and is producing incredible results for you right now that it will always be that way. And I think I think this uh, this highlights uh, for the people who are going to get hit the hardest that they haven't been thinking about what happens if this goes away or if this changes. I'm reminded of the, the very eloquent Warren Buffett quote, um, you never know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out, right? Um, we don't, <laughs> yeah. We uh, we don't know, right? Like there are businesses who are like 100% reliant on Facebook and not JV partners and strategic alliances and other sources of traffic and, you know, traditional things. And all those things are still available. It's just that it's, I'm not, I certainly don't want to say advertising on Facebook has been easy money because it's not, because it's a, it's a game with lots of ups and downs and lots of variables, but it has been a, uh, I think a go-to source of traffic for a lot of people. And because it's been such an obvious source for people to tap into, I think people have gotten lazy in terms of figuring out what options they have available to them to, mm-hmm. to create customers um, outside of that channel. And so, you know, here's the good news with this. Um, and now, and now I'm going on a rant just like you did. So I guess it's like rant, it rant, rant V rant today. Um, but, uh, but so when I, uh, so in Florida, you know, you'd get a hurricane every now and then, but right. the great thing about hurricanes, everyone's like, oh my God, like, I don't want to live in a hurricane. And I get that, but living through a hurricane, you kind of have like 10 days to prepare for the thing. Okay. Yeah. If there were ever a polite natural disaster, I would say hurricanes get my nomination. It's like, <laughs> Hey, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're going to be there in about, you know, I don't know, seven to 10 days, just giving you a heads up. Right. So you have advanced notice. And I would say with this, you also have advanced notice. So don't wait until this becomes a problem to start diversifying, to start doing all these other things. Start preparing right now instead of like hoping that it doesn't happen. It's going to happen. And even if it, this whole th- situation gets turned around, it's still going to happen at some other point in the future. So um, our, uh, our producer, Doug, is telling us that we have to wrap up here which is, uh, I, I feel like, I feel like it's a real party pooper move. Um, I'm not going to lie. Four hours. 
We yeah. we we're going to go on a protest. Um, <laughs> we're going to go on strike. But anyway, so we uh, so we do have to wrap it up. Um, thank you guys for listening today. Uh, it's been uh, been an incredible show. Thanks again for REA for coming on the show. Um, to uh, to all of our listeners, we appreciate you guys. Make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends and family about us. This is James P. Friel signing off with my amazing co-host who's about to ride home on his noble white steed, Mr. Dean Holland. We will talk with you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamespfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.